feel like it's always a treat coming uh, back to Salem, New Jersey. Yeah, come on. We love, we love Salem. It's, it's a beautiful place. I, how many go places, and when you tell them that you're from New, uh, New Jersey, they say, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know about you, where I, where I live in, in New England, anytime that I, it's the, it's the number one, it's the number one response. Anytime that I tell somebody, oh, I'm from New Jersey, they always say, I don't know if like there's a, there's a group on Facebook where everybody shares this information, this is your appropriate response to people from New Jersey, but they always say, I'm sorry. And I'm like, no, you're thinking of the wrong New Jersey. <laughs> so we love South Jersey. We love Salem. And uh, it's always a, a privilege to be here. Um, I'm excited for the next couple of weeks uh, being here, being able to share the word of God with you guys. Uh, my wife will be speaking next week. And this week and next week, we're doing sort of a little mini series uh, on, on the end times. So we're going we're gonna to dive in. Uh, and I hope that it's applicable, that it challenges you in your faith in, in the Lord, and that you're encouraged by the message uh, this morning. Uh, so a question for you, and the title of the sermon is, Are You Living Ready? Are you living ready? Have you ever had a moment in your life that you weren't ready for? Right? I'm sure that could be a, a full gambit, like you could have something very small up to something very serious where, where you weren't ready for something. Uh, I remember as a kid, when we lived in Missouri, I was uh, about eight years old, we lived in Springfield, Missouri, uh, my dad was uh, pastoring a church in uh, Cave Springs, Missouri at the time, we were living in an apartment complex, so we would bring people from the apartment complex to the church, and then we would drive back, and one of the times we stopped for lunch at a, uh, it was a sub shop, uh, uh, an ordinary sub shop, and I was not feeling great that particular weekend, and so while everyone was eating, I, I uh, excused myself for a moment to visit the restroom, <laughs> and, uh, and so taking a little longer than usual, to my surprise when I came out, the entire group, I mean, we all piled into a 15-passenger van, the entire group was gone. I was, I was eight years old, uh, left alone in a sub shop. And, uh, and so I thought, you know, what do I do? So I talked to one of the people that worked there, and so they said, you know what, why don't you call your, your, uh, your parents' number and, and, and see if they, they... So I called, and I left a message. I don't know if I had gum in my mouth or, or something at the time, but my mom said when she got home, she checked the messages, and she heard a message that was kind of like... Right, so delete, you know, and just move on. And and so, <laughs> what had happened was, they they all piled into the van. There was a bunch of kids with us, and the adults were there. And when they got back to the apartment complex, the kids just like scattered out of the van. Everybody went out to the playground to go play, and then the adults just went inside. So it wasn't until four, about four hours later that uh, the kids came back and all of a sudden the question was, hey, where's Justin? I don't know. I, th I think he's, uh, he's, he's probably with this person. So they, uh, they looked around, couldn't find me. Uh, and eventually it was like, uh-oh, what, what happened? So uh, go back to me. So I'm, I walk out of the bathroom and I talk. I leave the, answering uh, the message on the answer machine. And uh, while I'm waiting around, the guy's like, 
hey, do you want to make some subs with us? So I said, sure. So I got behind the, the back, and they're showing me how to make the subs, and I'm putting the cheese on, and they take me to the back. This is how you toast a sub. This is how you slice the ends. So I, I basically had a summer internship for free, and, uh, and so I eventually was found, and uh, you know I'm here today, so I survived. Uh, but I was not expecting it, right? We have moments that are unexpected in our lives, and I want to share... Uh, a, a passage of scripture with you uh, regarding the last days, the end times. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 25. Jesus is sharing a parable, and, and what these parables were, they were stories that he would tell that had a supernatural truth. And so we're going to read this story and then we're going to discuss and, and just pull out some of those truths this morning. It says, uh, the kingdom of heaven, verse 1 of chapter 25 of Matthew, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps. For the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. But the bridegroom was delayed, and they all became drowsy, and they fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps, and the five foolish ones asked the others, Please, give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't, we don't have enough for all of us. Go, go to a shop, buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. Let's pray. Father, we just ask for your presence to be so real in this place. God, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, that we would not just hear the word of God, and like in Matthew 13, it just fall on a hardened heart. And the devil would just come and steal this word away from us. God, we pray for good soil this morning. That these words would pierce our hearts. That it would take root in us, God. It would change us for the rest of our life. God, I pray that we would remind ourselves this morning of what matters most. And that you would speak through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me give you a little bit of uh, context, right? And how many love a good story, right? We, we are storytellers, uh, humans. We love stories. It's why we watch movies. It's why we, we entertain ourselves with storylines, read books. It's because we, we love stories. Jesus loved to tell stories. And the people of that day, they also really enjoyed stories. And so Jesus taught through these stories. 
And in this story in particular, it's always good to get a little background. How many have watched a movie where there's really no backstory to the characters? You watch it and you're just kind of like, meh. It, it, you, don't really, you don't really care as much about the story because there was not enough time given so that you could understand who these people were. Let's take a little moment and let's, let's play you know, movie producer here. Is that all right? We're going to give a little backstory to this parable just to understand where people were at this day. There were three stages to a wedding uh, at that time. Right now, we know our, our typical wedding, right? Like dating, engaged, and then the wedding ceremony, right? But it was a little different in this culture, right? The, the engagement period was actually a conversation between the fathers, right? This was a time where prearranged marriages took place, and so the father would, would find a, a, an individual he found was suitable for his daughter, and he would approach the father. And they would speak. That was sort of the engagement period. And then once the, the woman approved, she had the ability to approve or deny, right? No, I don't know. That guy's kind of weird, Dad. Get, let's, let's try again, right? And so when she gave the approval, they would move forward into what they would call the betrothal. The betrothal was a little bit like what we understand as an engagement period. When they, they would basically have this ceremony... And the husband-to-be would give a sacrificial gift. They would share a, a cup of wine together to, to symbolize or seal the commitment that they were making. And then the husband-to-be, the groom, would go away for about a year to prepare a place, a, a home, for the, the couple to live in. Right? And, and after he went away to prepare a place for them, and it was finished, he would return, but it would sort of be at an unknown time. They knew it would, would be around a year when he would return, but they didn't quite know when the bridegroom would come. So they would send out bridesmaids around a year later. And their job, because you didn't know when he was going to come. He could come during the day. He could come during the evening. They would send the bridesmaids out, and they would wait for the return of the bridegroom with lamps. This is a, a picture of the lamps, uh, if you want to throw that image up. But this is what a, a first century lamp looks like. And so you can see in the one image the oil with the wick, and they would burn. And so they would keep oil in their lamps. And they would wait for the bridegroom to come, because if the bridegroom came... They would need to light those lamps, and they would guide him in to unite with his bride. Now, how many are seeing the beautiful imagery of, of Jesus Christ in his church? That at the moment that there's a, a sacrificial gift, how many know that Christ sacrificed for us? He gave the gift of his life for us. That they shared a cup of wine. Together, how many remember right before Jesus poured out his sacrificial gift that he shared a cup of wine with his disciples? And he said, this is the covenant in my blood. I pour it out for you. Drink of it and remember me. And then he went away to prepare a place. Jesus actually said to his disciples, I am going away to prepare a place for you. And he's going to return when it is ready. 
There's so much symbolism in the marriage relationship, and God does everything on purpose. And so to understand the background here, the kingdom of heaven is like ten bridesmaids. What Jesus is trying to communicate to the people listening is that there is something supernatural that we can pull away from this story. That the kingdom of heaven is like ten bridesmaids who are going out and waiting for the arrival of the bridegroom. Two things that we also see in verse 2. There's time taken to show us there's a difference between these two. These these ten, rather. Five of them are wise, and five of them are foolish. When you look at the word wise, it actually is referring to prudence. Uh, Prudence, by definition, it's, it's a person who gives careful thought regarding the future. Okay? This is really, really important in the story. The wise bridesmaids were conscious of the future. They were looking ahead. The foolish bridesmaids, it actually comes from the Greek word moros. How many know what word we get from moros? Moron, right? The, the, word, the word for foolish here literally is, is moron. So, so sorry, five bridesmaids, uh, you guys are morons. But this is, the, this is the moral of the story. It is foolish. It is moronic to do the thing that they did. And we're going to talk about it in a moment. But we have two different people. The, the, the definition of that word moros, it, it's heedless. And that kind of suggests a person who has no care and has complete lack of attention to a thing. So you have one group, five of them that are are focused on on the long term. They have forethought. They're thinking ahead. And then the other five paid no care or attention to the task that, that they were given. This is an end times parable. And I don't know if you've taken a, a couple seconds to check in on the news these days, but how many know we're, we are living in the last days? Uh, I would even say in First John, John is writing, and this is around uh, you know just before you know ninety you know uh, A.D. He's writing, and he says we are living in the final hour. If, if he was living in the final hour, we are living in the final seconds. That, that there is not much time left before Christ returns for the church. And there is a, a separation taking place in the church. God is calling out a remnant of people who will believe what the word of God says regardless of what may happen against them. That he's calling, and I don't even know if you're in touch with Bible prophecy, there are plenty of things lining up. The the book of Daniel talks about how the Antichrist will sit on the Ark of the Covenant in in the temple and will declare himself to be God. Well, you need a temple for that to happen, right? There's no temple. Well, there is a third temple institute in Jerusalem that has everything they need to build a temple, and they can do it quick. I think they said they could do it within a couple months. 
They have everything that they need. They, they have the, the animals that were needed. There was not a perfect red, they call it a red heifer, it's a cow. And it needed to have not a single imperfection. And they have not had one since before Jesus was alive. And because of COVID, there were a ton of farms in Texas that were not puncturing. The biggest problem was the puncturing of the ear for these cows. They would tag the cows as soon as, soon as they were born. But because of COVID, there are five perfect red heifers ready to be sacrificed in this temple. And that has not happened for thousands of years. And they've got five of them. There are priests that have adhered to the Levitical law since their birth, and they have two priests that are ready to step in. I'm telling you that we are approaching the end times closer now than we've ever been before. And I'm asking you a question this morning. Are you living ready? Because I sincerely believe that there is, there's not much time left. And we are getting distracted on things that do not matter. That occupy our time and, and our thoughts and, and, and there are, there's a mission to be accomplished. And so I want to share some, some things with you this morning. Pulling out of this passages, I want to talk about two types of people and two realities that we must face as we go through this story together. So let's take a look at verse 3. The first thing we see here, there, there are those who are not ready. The first type of person that we see in this parable are those who are not ready. Two types of people. Those who are not ready is the first category. Verse 3 says, The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps. As I was, I, I kind of do this as I'm preparing a message, I kind of sit down and I just look at the verse and I think about it. And I just wait for, for things to strike me. And I think one of the things that struck me when I was looking at the five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps. When I think about it, they, they all looked the same. All of the ten bridesmaids, they would have been dressed in the same thing. They are all tasked with the same task. Wait for the bridegroom. They all are carrying the same lamps. That if you were to look at them, you would not know any difference. They looked the part. The five foolish bridesmaids looked the part. I don't know if anybody ever came. Did anybody ever come? You know, this is the only place I can actually ask this question. Did anybody ever come to a high school basketball game when I was on the team? Did anybody ever come to those? Good. You, you saved yourself. You saved yourself. But, but you want to talk about looking the part. You know, in pregame, you know, Aaron was on the same team as I. So, you know, we would come out. And, you know, at that time, my hair was, like, super long and flowy. So it would be, like, bobbing as I'm, like, running out. And I had my wristbands on and my, and my knee-high socks with my kicks and, and my jersey. And I looked the part. But I sat the bench, right? Like, I looked, I looked like a basketball player. But I did not play the game, all right? And, and how many of us, we can look the part, but we're not playing the game. 
Many of us can, like these bridesmaids, they all look the same. They're carrying the same lamps. We can be in church on a Sunday morning. We can be all singing the same songs. We can be sitting right next to each other. We can be lifting our hands or, or listening to the same message. But there could be some of us who are wise and some of us who are foolish. Some of us that are sincerely following God and some of us that are just playing the part. And eternity is too long. The mission is too important. And the time that we have is too short to take those things for granted. To go through the motions of church just to look the part. The other thing that I think is quite alarming to me is that they, these foolish bridesmaids, they thought that they were ready. What's, I think, a concern is they thought that what they had was enough. Think about that. They thought that what they had was enough. They brought oil. But they didn't bring enough. And there are some of us that think that, that our church attendance is enough to get us into the kingdom of God. Doing good deeds is enough to get us into the kingdom. Having a good heart is enough to get us into the kingdom of God. But I'm telling you this morning that if you do not repent of your sin and turn to God, if you do not live a life of holiness and righteousness before God, to have a heart for the things of the kingdom, to be ready for when Jesus Christ returns, that he's going to come and you're not going to be ready. And the trap that we fall into is that our religious actions can be enough. And that's exactly what happened to these bridesmaids. It, they thought it was enough. We thought that we had brought enough, but we didn't. These five were expecting to be a part of that celebration, but they were not thinking long-term. They thought sh very short-term. I've never seen a society think more short-term and more temporal than the society that we live in right now. It is about instant gratification. We are no longer patient you know, we get bothered if it takes more than like a minute in a drive-thru like window. Hey, come on, like this is supposed to be fast food. Like, give me my food already. We do this in our relationship with God. Well, I just want to I just want to see answers. God's not moving, and then we quit on it because he doesn't move at the speed in which we would like for him to move. God is calling us. And I know this is a heavy, a heavy message, but I'm gonna, I'm, I promise at the end we're going to lift it up and, and you guys are going to be encouraged. But you need to let the fact that at any moment, you know, an evangelist that we listen to, he's been preaching Bible prophecy for over 40 years. And he said, says that every prophecy that needs to be fulfilled has been fulfilled outside of the rapture, outside of the taking of the church of Jesus Christ. And this is a weighty thing because many of us know we are not living the way that we should. 
Many of us know that we are not committing to the sake of the gospel the way that we should. That we think we have enough in religion in a form of godliness, but we don't. And it's heavy because it pierces your heart. Because you know that there's more. Let it pierce your heart this morning. Let it draw you to the presence of God. They didn't take enough oil. Oil throughout the scripture is symbolic of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When kings and prophets were anointed, you know, sometimes we think like when David was anointed, you know, like Samuel just took out this little, you know, the little like thing that we anoint people like the, and, and it was not like that. It was not a little, it was like a jug. And they would uncap that thing and, and they would just drench them in oil. And in that time, when, when, it, when they would anoint them with oil, many accounts in the Bible, whether it's prophets or king, it says the spirit of the Lord came upon them. And there are so many believers who are not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. But I'll say there's so many people who think that they are believers who do not have even the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at salvation. That you need to surrender your life. So many of us want heaven, but we don't want to surrender our life here on earth. We want eternity, but we don't want to give up what we need to give up for the sake of the kingdom. You know, the lie that I was bought into as a, as a kid was the things that I'm going to be giving up, I'm going to miss. Because I like those things. And I realized the more that I actually just love the Lord and, and I chased after Him, those things mean nothing. And you actually have the exact opposite settle and you have a desire and, and a joy in doing what truly matters. Matthew 25, 1 to 13, the message of Matthew commentary kind of says this. It says, what a warning. It tells us that it's too possible to be often in church and in the company of Christians and yet be a stranger to the Holy Spirit. It's possible to have a lamp that looks the part, but has no oil in it. And I know I feel the Spirit of God so heavy that many of you in this room right now, you feel drier than dry, that you, you don't feel the oil of the Holy Spirit, that you've not encountered the presence of God in such a long time. And all you need to do is turn to him, seek his face and commit and surrender. That this life is not just about what we have, what we obtain, what we gain here. We are eternal beings. And the life that we live here is so short. There are those who are not ready and the second type of person that we see is those who are ready. Those who are ready. In verse 4, it says the other five were wise enough 
to take along extra oil. You know, commit yourself to be an individual who is determined to desire more than enough. Right? Get it in your heart that you're not satisfied with just enough, that you desire more than enough. That as an individual, you're not just content with an experience with God that you had 20 years ago or or this moment that you had 10 years, but you decide each and every day, I want to experience the power of God. I want to lay my hands on the sick and see them healed. I want to cast out demons, raise the dead. This is what we've been commanded to do as a church. But so many of us have settled for religion instead of the power that God offers to us and the salvation of our souls. There's a fire that comes up inside of you. When you you desire more than enough, there's there's a fire on the inside for the presence of God, for holiness. In the same way that that bride, as she waited for the groom to return, her job was to, to stay pure. We have, we have like entangled ourselves with the world and the things of this world. People can't tell the difference. As you're not content with just getting by, there's a fire for knowing God in a deeper way, for, for reaching lost people, for getting rid of distractions in our life, setting our our sights on the reality of heaven, like Colossians 3 says. They wanted more than enough, and I think the other thing is they were focused on the mission. These bridesmaids were given a task. Hey, you need to wait, and you need to be constantly ready for when the bridegroom returns. And and we've been given a mission directly from Jesus Christ himself. And he said to go and do what? Make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. To baptize them and to teach them. Let me just encourage you. A a lot of us get, we don't experience the Lord in our lives because we've lost sight of the mission. Every person's mission If you want to know your purpose, how many have ever asked that question? What's my purpose in life, right? We've all asked that question. Your purpose is to make disciples. God has gifted you with many giftings. Your purpose is to find a person in your life that you can invest in at least one. Find at least one person that you can say, I'm going to take this person under my wing I want to spiritually, right? This is not just a benevolent thing. This is, I want to take one person under my wing who I can help grow in their faith, right? He didn't say make disciples of all nations and let them do whatever you want and just be friends. He said make disciples of all nations and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. That when you invest, discipleship is is you investing in a person so that they grow in their walk with Christ. You'd be surprised how many, this is like a, this is the mission, right? How many have heard of that before in the church, right? Go and make disciples. 
Don't raise your hand now, but how many people are you discipling? This is one of the greatest misses, I think, for the church, is we know what the mission is, but are we living ready? Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? We know what the mission is, but is our, are our lamps full of oil? Are we actually doing what the mission, what we've been commanded to do? Are we leading people to Christ? Because that's what he's called us to. That's what Jesus commanded us to do. And I always think about it this way, and, it, and it's, it's helped me in those moments when I lose like eternal perspective, because how easy is it? I don't know if you're like me, but man, I, you can get focused on temporal things pretty quick, right? Are you with me? It's easy. And I always, the question like, hey, what if tonight was the night? What if tonight was the night? You're gone. You're in the presence of God. Would, how are you living today? And would you do it any different? Almost all of us are going to say, yeah, I'll probably do a lot of things different if I knew the rapture was going to happen tonight. Just before this, if you read Matthew 24, Jesus is painting a picture of what the times will be like. And let me tell you, it's today. You can read Matthew 24, and it's today. Wars, rumors of wars. People calling evil good and good evil. Like it, There's a ton of stuff in that. I encourage you, homework this week, just, just read Matthew 24, read Matthew 25. Steph is going to pick it up in Matthew 25 next week. So, so read that as well. But like get, get it in your heart. We are living in the final seconds. For me personally, I'm not throwing out a, a, a date, right? But like in my spirit, I, like I really feel like it's, it could be less than 50 years easy. Maybe even less than 25. I, that's just, that's just, this is the urgency that I, that I feel in my heart. And I think it's so important that we do not lose sight of the fact that at any moment, you ever watch those videos? Boom, it could be now. Are you living ready? Because here's the two realities, two realities that we have to face. And I, I, if I could have uh, the, the band come back up. Two realities that we have to face, okay? The first being that no one knows the hour. No one knows the hour. Verse 5 says, when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. And at midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. And all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. So, so you understand that we don't know the hour, even in chapter 24. Jesus shares and says, this is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken and the other is left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. 
you have to, to live in that tension. And the Lord is calling us to live with that tension. There should be a sense of urgency that we have to take the gospel to people who need it. Because you don't know if you'll have that opportunity tomorrow. There's, there's an opportunity today if you have not accepted Christ to actually become ready so that when he returns, you're going to be going with him. 1 Corinthians 15, it says, it'll happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is, is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. In the blinking of an eye, Everybody blink your eyes. Boom, done. In a moment before you would even see it coming, you will be transformed and standing in the presence of God if you're a believer. And if you're not a believer, if you don't have relationship with Jesus Christ in a blink of an eye, millions and millions of believers will vanish from this earth and you won't be ready the second thing that we have to learn from this is we have to be ready now because there's no chance to get it right after he comes. If you read verse 8, it says, Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us, give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to the shop, buy some for yourself. We tell you, you can't ride off of somebody else's relationship with Christ. Doesn't matter how godly your grandmother or grandfather was, or your mother or your father or your friend or your pastor, it does not matter that you will sit one day or stand one day before the Lord. And you have to give an account for your life. Romans 14 says, We will all stand before God's judgment seat. It's written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge me. So then each of us will need to give an account of ourselves to God. Verse 10 says, but while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went, with, uh, went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood out calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. It, it gives me the picture of Matthew 7 when the people come and they say, Lord, Lord, you know, we did all of these things for you. 
we cast out demons, we healed, and we did many miracles, we prophesied, and, and Jesus gives the response, I do not know you. Verse 12, he called back and he said, believe me, I do not know you. And the reality is that there are those in this room right now that you are prudent, you are wise. You have the end in mind. And you are living for the Lord. And you are ready for His return. But there are also those in this room right now that you sit in the seat on a Sunday, but you are not ready to meet the Lord. You are not ready for His return. And if it was to come right now, you actually don't even know if you, if you would make it. And I know this is heavy, but it really isn't that heavy because there's still time. Because you have today, you have right now that you have Jesus calling to you. You feel it on the inside of your heart and he's drawing you to his presence and he's saying, come and surrender. Come give your life. Lay it down. Because there is still time. There's time for you to have oil in your lamp. There's time for you to walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That you don't have to go another day without knowing that you're ready to meet the Lord. And so if we can stand to our feet, I would just like to read this last verse. And I'd like to just challenge us this morning. You know, are you living ready? Verse 13 says, so you too must keep watch. For you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Let me tell you, there's good news this morning. The gospel, it means good news. And the good news is that time has not run out. That today you can make a decision to live ready. That you don't have to go through the motions of church. To go through the motions of religion. You can surrender to Jesus Christ and actually know him. It's amazing to me how many people can sit in, in a church, and I'm not just talking about this church, I'm talking about the church in general, how many people can sit in the church and not know Jesus. But you have that opportunity this morning. God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You don't have to ride off of somebody's relationship with God anymore. You can make that decision today. Even for those that are entangling yourself. You would say this, I'm going to give a few calls in a moment, but even for those that are entangling themselves with the distractions of this life, and you are not walking knowing the Lord intimately, 
There's a lot of things you do for the Lord, but you, you, don't, you, you don't know him in the way that you need to. And so I, I just want to give a call. If we could just bow our heads uh, this morning. If, if, if you would say before the Lord, I've never, I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never fully surrendered. And I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know that if Jesus was to return for the church, I do not know if I would be going with them. And if this morning you would be honest before the Lord and you would say, that's me. Or maybe you, you have been living for the Lord, but you know that, that the oil has run dry, that your relationship with Him has quickly turned or slowly turned into religion, and you are not experiencing the Lord or walking in relationship. You've turned your back on truly knowing Him. And you want to rededicate your life to the Lord. So for the first time, if that's you, you just want to give your life to the Lord or you want to rededicate your life to the Lord this morning. Can you raise your hand for me? I see that hand. Anybody else? Yep, yep. See that hand. Now if you'd say and be honest this morning, you have gotten distracted. Let me do this. Those who have raised your hand, you just raised your hand, why don't you come up right over here to the left side. I'm going to have my wife just start to pray with you. If you could come right over here to my left. Right over here. And, and for the rest of you, let me just ask you. You've gotten your life entangled with the affairs of men. You are, you are so wrapped up in, in the day-to-day details of life that you have lost touch with knowing the Father. And today you want to say, I want to be ready. I want to know Him intimately. And you would just make that declaration before the Lord. I love the Lord. I serve the Lord. I have Him in my heart, but I've gotten focused off of the mission. And you would just raise your hand this morning and say, that's me. Could you raise your hand? Yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand. If, you, if that's you, please come forward. I'd love to just pray for you for a moment. And we're just gonna, we're gonna spend the next few moments. Don't leave yet. Take a few moments, search your hearts. If you're not up here at the altar, search your heart before the Lord. Let Him speak to you. Let Him reveal anything within your heart that needs to shift and change. And then we're just gonna close briefly with, with a chorus in a moment. Can we just sing to the Lord? Can we just stand to our feet? We're just going to close with a chorus. Just thanking Him. Just throwing up our hands, right, and, and singing hallelujah. Amen. So I throw up my hands. I praise you again and again. Because all that I have is a hallelujah. Nothing else fit for a king Except for a heart singing Hallelujah Hallelujah So I throw up my hands I praise you again and again Cause all that I have is a heart 
him for what he's done and I know it's not much but I'm nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing hallelujah hallelujah thank you Lord Father, we thank you for this time that we've had in your presence. God, we thank you for the challenge in your word. God, we thank you that this is not, this doesn't have to be a heavy word because you've given us the answer and there's still time to say yes. There's still time to be obedient to you. There's still time to, to grab extra oil to have more of the Holy Spirit, to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, to stay on mission, to walk in the fire of God. And God, I just ask that you would be with us as we go for those that as, uh, as they give in the tithes and offerings and in the bucket by the door on their way out, Father, that you would just bless this church, Father. God, I pray you would increase the, the finances of this church, the reach and the impact of this church for the kingdom. Lord, that you would multiply a hundredfold. Lord God, a hundredfold return for those that are giving, that you would bless them, Lord. That you would allow them to see that when they obey and they trust you, when they step out in faith, in obedience to give, Lord, how you bless and pour out even more blessing. God, I just ask that you go with them now. Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, I pray that we go with two things on our mind. One, to be ready and to live for you. And two, to find someone in our life that we can help be ready for your return. So God, we pray blessing, Lord, protection. Father, this week, opportunity. Uh, to just experience you in a greater way, a deeper way, to help others experience you in a greater, deeper way. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in His church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.